Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 1 through 14, and Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or families. Wisdom is something that everyone desires. We seek people out who always seem to have the right words to say about our difficult situations. We might say to them, wow, you have such wisdom. In ancient Jewish culture, wisdom is more than good advice given in a time of crisis. Hebrew wisdom is a way of life, an attitude to the world, a pattern of behavior that is grounded in one's faith in God's word and character. God is not only the creator of the world, he's the creator of wisdom. Searching for and leading a life marked by godly wisdom is closely connected to our modern day understanding of living a life of holiness. So as we begin this series on holy living, we begin in an Old Testament book that fits into the genre called wisdom literature. The book of wisdom in this week's study is the book of Ecclesiastes. The word Ecclesiastes comes from the Hebrew word koheleth, which means a gatherer of an assembly. Other translations simply use the word teacher or preacher. When I'm referring to the author of Ecclesiastes and the rest of this lesson, I'll simply call him the teacher. The Hebrew, uh, the written Hebrew of Ecclesiastes is complex. It's written in a form of Hebrew that's different from much of the remainder of the Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 1 reveals the author as the teacher, son of David, king in, in, in Jerusalem. Traditionally, scholars have ascribed its authorship to King Solomon. The text doesn't offer us a precise historical setting, but internal evidence suggests that the original readers were likely middle-class or upper-middle-class people who were trying to reconcile their economic accomplishments with a simplicity of obedience and trust in God. In traditional Judaism, Ecclesiastes is read during the Feast of Sukkot to remind the worshipers that without God, life is meaningless. The words of its pages call us to embrace the life that God has given us, a life in obedience and gratitude to God. So let's jump in at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses one through 14. <clears throat> a good name 
is better than fine perfume and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowing this, of, of knowledge is this, wisdom perseveres, uh, preserves those who have it. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this, God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. And then moving to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wisdom plays an important role in life. However, even wisdom itself must be kept in perspective. It has limitations. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, the teacher compared a good name to fine perfume. Fine perfume is wonderful while it lasts, but its smell quickly fades away. Implied is that a good name lasts longer, so it's better than fine perfume. While a good name is better than fine perfume, the reality is that even a good name <clears throat> falls short. Think about it for a moment. <clears throat> Only at death may the lasting legacy of one's true character be assessed. That reality is kind of sad if our desire is only for a good name. You see, a preoccupation with the praise of people is counterproductive. Verse two leans further into the concept of death. All humans are mortal. No one leaves this world alive. Well, except Elijah. While the amount of time on this earth is different for everyone, the conclusion that all will die 
is something everyone must eventually face. To add to that, we often speak of someone being young or old. Even that concept is not quite accurate. Consider this, someone's true age is dependent upon when that person will die. Follow me here. If I knew that I was going to die tomorrow, even though I'm only 52 years old, I would be very old today. In that case, I would only, I would have already lived most of my life. The challenge is no one knows when they will die. So how old are you? Well, you really don't know because you don't know when you will die. Only God knows that. So humans need to live our days on this earth with an awareness of our mortality. Not only should we be sober concerning our mortality, we should also be thoughtful regarding suffering and injustice, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 3. The teacher reminds us that frustration is better than laughter. We should sorrow over the suffering and injustice in our crooked world. Have you ever noticed that even our own suffering can bring a depth of character that is missing in those who have only known lightheartedness? Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. One of the hardest years of my life was the year after my graduation from college. It was during that year that I experienced the greatest disappointment of my life and subsequently my greatest questions about my future. It was a hard year, but to this day, I look back at that year as one of the greatest times of spiritual growth in my life. I clung to Jesus in a way that I had not done in the first 22 years of my life. Suffering, you see, produced perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. The teacher reminds us that we should keep good experiences, bad experiences, excitement, discouragement, accomplishments, and disappointments of life in perspective. When my family served as missionaries in the former Soviet Union, we lived in the city of Kiev, Ukraine. We had been there for almost two years when the revolution of dignity started in the city center called Maidan, about three kilometers from our apartment. Crimea was annexed by Russia and two Eastern oblasts like states declared their independence from Ukraine. The relational strain this put on the pastors from the countries made up of our field was palpable. The re relational challenges put a tremendous amount of stress on me as I tried to lead this field in the unity that we have in Christ. Our pastors and leaders had their first in-person meeting following the start of the conflict in Antalya, Turkey at the Eurasia Regional Conference. I had a week of meetings before the conference even started. So I was already exhausted when the conference was just beginning. The night before the conference came to its conclusion, and that night in our hotel room, I experienced a very low moment in my life. The kids were already asleep in their beds, and I, 
I broke down in uncontrollable tears. When Jenny and I lay down to sleep, <clears throat> I told her, I don't know if I'll make it through the night. I may die. I was not being dramatic. I actually thought that I was going to physically die that night. With my permission, my wife, Jenny, contacted the Nazarene counselor who had come to the conference to see if we needed to meet. His wisdom that night might have come from the teacher of Ecclesiastes. He told Jenny these words, Scott's highs right now will not be as high as he thinks they are, and his lows will not be as low as he thinks. With a good night of sleep and a wonderful time of prayer the next morning with the leaders of the field, God pulled me out of the pit that I was in. Here's the point. A wise person discerns and understands the importance of perspective. Once again, however, we're not, we are confronted in verses five through seven with the reality that human wisdom has its limits. In verses eight through 10, we're challenged by the teacher to be wise by choosing godly responses like patience over carnal ones, like pride and quick anger. People look to the past with rose-colored glasses, remembering only the good times. Or people look to the future with unrealistic hopes and dreams. The teacher encourages his hearer to focus instead on the present. Embrace your life now, not longing for the past or wishing for the future to come quickly. Life calls for patience in the present. Between planting and harvesting, we need patience. Between demolishing and rebuilding, we need patience. Between birth and death, we need patience. In between times, complicate life. Waiting is always difficult. While human wisdom has its limits, as we've just observed, it is still favorable in this life. The teacher compares wisdom to an inheritance. An inheritance is good because it can provide food and shelter, protection against life's difficulties. Wisdom, however, is of greater value still because it enables people to truly live while they're still alive. Wisdom calls for humans to find satisfaction in God's gifts in the present. The truth found in verses 13 and 14 is that humans are powerless to change the world. God, however, can do what humans cannot. The Apostle Paul took on this very message in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25, when he said that the fallen state of creation was caused by human rebellion against God. However, God will restore creation to its pristine goodness when human redemption is complete. People can't change reality. There are good and bad times in every life. Happiness is the appropriate response when times are good. And because we cannot know the future, we should not complain when times are bad. In difficult times, wisdom calls us to consider this. What is God up to now? And what can I learn from this? 
In the end, we know that God rules supremely over everything in creation and in our lives. Like the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, the Apostle Paul considered death the ultimate, I'm sorry, the universal destiny of sinful humanity. We on our own can do nothing to change our destiny. The wages of sin is death. However, by faith in the saving work of Christ, God mercifully offers eternal life instead. You remember the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Paul urged Christians in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, to offer their redeemed lives fully to the service of God as living sacrifices. The Israelites depend on, depended on bloody animal sacrifices to atone for their sins. Scripture tells us that when Christ died on the cross, this sacrificial system died too. Now, followers of Christ are called to offer themselves as living sacrifices by surrendering everything, their actions, their thoughts, their future, everything to God. What sounds like an oxymoron to the world, a living sacrifice, makes complete sense to those who pick up their cross daily and follow God. As we began this lesson, wisdom for the Jew is a way of life putting to practice one's faith. But that wisdom, that living the right way, has limits when its power comes from the body or mind of a human. But what if? What if God gave the wisdom? Or in the language of Paul, what if God made the transformation in the heart of the believer? The word Paul uses for transformation of a believer in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is the source of the English word metamorphosis. This entails the person allowing God to transform them from the inside out continually and completely. This kind of surrender to God with his miracle of transformation by his spirit is where true wisdom and real holy living are made possible. So what does wisdom, according to the teacher, and holy living, according to Paul, look like? Dr. Frank Moore describes such Christ-like living in this way. First, there's a hunger to know more. A Christ-like believer studies the Bible, prays, worships, participates, uh, in the sacraments, spends time with other Christians along with a host of other Christian disciplines. Second, a discernment of application. A Christ-like believer grows in wisdom in order to apply everything the Spirit of God teaches us for daily living. Third, a rejection of folly. A Christ-like believer judges the foolish ways of thinking and living by those who do not know Christ and chooses to reject that path. Fourth, a humble spirit. A Christ-like believer realizes that the knowledge and wisdom that can, that can be known this side of eternity is limited and incomplete and humbly admits this. Fifth, a worshipful awareness. A Christ-like believer testifies to the sovereignty of God 
in all our lives and in all our and in all of creation. And then lastly, a transformed mindset. A Christ-like believe, believer lives in the daily awareness that the spirit of the living God uh, within is constantly working to transform us into the image of God's son. With God's wisdom and in the power of the spirit, let us walk with Jesus, embracing today as the day God has given us for his very purpose. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.